It's good to see you. God, thank you so much. God, I thank you, Father, that we can bring prayer requests to you, God. I thank you that you love us that way, Father, that you care about what we care about. But, Father, I thank you, God, that, that you are our healer. Father, I thank you that we can bring things to you, Lord. There's nothing so big that you can't fix. There's nothing so small that you don't care, God, if we're just faithful to bring it to you. God, I pray, Lord, for the one right now, the ER, God, I pray you'd reach in and intervene in that situation right now, Lord. Not sure what's going on there, but we know that before we ever got to this day, you knew it would come, and we know that you can handle that, Father. And I pray you'd be there and intervene. God, I thank you, Lord, for your, for your children here tonight, Father. I pray you'd take this offering. I pray you'd help us, God, to use it to be a blessing to others, God, that we might be a blessing to somebody in our community and anywhere else, Father, that you'd have us, Lord. We love you, Father, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all, um, you want to be getting turned in your Bibles. I'm going to get started. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I mentioned Sunday morning. I really didn't. That was probably one of the longer messages that I've preached, and I knew going into it it was. I, the more I studied, the longer that thing got, and I kept taking stuff out of my outline and taking stuff out of my outline, but I did what I knew I would. Just because I take it out of the outline don't mean I can take it out up here and and then I tried, but I, I knew going that would be a, a pretty lengthy message. Didn't have time, but I mentioned the dollar box. I'm just going to mention that to y'all now, and I'll try to get a, a time to do it on a Sunday. But here's something I really want to do with the dollar box. All, all the dollar is for, it's for two things. One is for us. Um, it, it's, it's for people who, who just never have really put God to the test and put God to the challenge. And, and we talked a lot about that Sunday, so I'm not going to re-preach that message. But it's a dollar. Everybody can't afford one dollar. You have to leave off a half a bottle of water a week. Everybody can afford a dollar. And, and the dollar box is for all of us to put one dollar in. Number one, it just teaches us the art of putting something in on behalf of the Lord to be a blessing to somebody else. That's all that dollar is for, is to try to be a blessing to somebody that you don't know. But what I want to do with the dollar box, um, Lord just gave me something. I was praying a couple weeks ago. I want to make it your dollar box. I want you to write down something that you know. And it don't have to be now. You write it down at any time. Lord, let someone in your heart, somebody needs something. You know somebody that we can help, something we can do. Um, I've even thought it sometimes. I may, I may just pick one of you out that's got an afternoon and say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take $100 and you go stand at Publix and you pray until God says pay for their groceries. Um, and, and whoever he tells you to pay for, I don't care how they're dressed, you go pay for their groceries or at least $100. I just want us to be a blessing to this community. And, and I don't know who all needs stuff, but you do. So I'm just telling you that if you have somebody that, that you feel like we could help and, and the dollar ministry is something we could use, you write it down on a piece of paper, and I want you to put it in there on a Sunday morning with your dollar. Don't forget the dollar. Don't, don't put in there what you want to do and leave the dollar out. But at any rate, all it'll do is just kind of help us do things really in the community because you could have a multitude of ideas. Does that make sense? Um, and I really would even like to incorporate some of you guys. If it involves going and doing it, if it involves a nursing home, if it involves doing something for somebody, really maybe incorporate you guys into, hey, take this and go do it. Go, go be that blessing and involve the church in that. And it costs us $1 a piece a day. Um, but we need, we need to be doing all that we can in this community to be a blessing to this community. I, I want to be a church that this community cannot live without. It scares me to death to think, hey, what happened if Faith Baptist Church shut the doors and was gone? Would they even miss us? I want us to be a community that's a stronghold 
I don't just want us to be a lighthouse to Troop County. I want us to be a lighthouse to Troop County that lights it, that Troop County becomes the lighthouse of the state of Georgia, that Georgia becomes the lighthouse to the southeast, that the southeast becomes the lighthouse to America, that America once again becomes the lighthouse to the world. But I want it to start here. I want it to start here. I can worry about it with this one. God, help me. Help me be better. So at any rate, um, that's just some things looking forward in the dollar ministry. Everybody got your Bible open? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We looked at where um, Paul had talked about the resurrection of the Christ. I said a while ago last week, we spent our time looking at the resurrection of the Christian. Anybody excited about the resurrection of the Christian? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, Paul here, he starts talking about the reign of Christ. We refer to it most often as the thousand-year millennial reign. He's referring to the reign um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 23, we looked at last week. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ that is coming. So we know that Christ is the firstfruits. We know that Christ was the first to be resurrected from the dead, the firstfruits of the resurrection. And all of those of us who have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we will be included in the harvest. We, we covered that last week, but there's more to the story. Verse number 24, then cometh the end. When he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. When all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So I want to look at these few verses right here this evening a little bit of explaining what Paul is talking about. And notice he starts out there in verse number 24. It says, then cometh the end. That is the climatic events which will, will follow the rapture here on earth. But it's before the reign of Christ. It's that, that series of events that takes place during that seven years. There are some things that have to happen. There are some prophetic events that must happen in a certain sequence. Because God has already prophesied. God has already given us. So they have to happen that way. Jesus shed some light. Matthew chapter 24, he said, beginning in verse number 1, he went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came to him to show forth in, in the buildings of the temple and Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be one left here, one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And he that sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. 
This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. In this passage, Jesus is talking about the world being filled with unrighteousness, filled with, with all type of deception and lies. He talks about the gospel of the kingdom being preached. In Revelation chapter 27, the Bible tells us during that time frame of that seven years toward the end, it tells us about the 144,000 that will preach the gospel. Quick little plug-in. Matter of fact, I'm going to preach more on this subject Sunday. But that 144,000 is Jehovah's real witnesses. That's not the, the cult that calls themselves Jehovah's Witnesses today that's over six and a half million strong. I wonder how 144,000 going to get in. And I will, we'll discuss that a little bit more as we look at cults and the garbage and all the stuff that's going on and the lies that's being taught. And to be honest, fulfillment of that, a lot of people being deceived in today's time and, and brought about. And, and what we're actually going to look at is where Jesus asked the question, whom do men say that I am? Um, so we're going to spend a little bit more time on that Sunday. But there will be 144,000. They will be Jews. They will be males. They will be virgins. They will preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ during that time after the rapture of the church. Now, something to help you understand where Paul is at here in the text so that we can know that he's at the rapture and we can know that he is before the reign of Christ and he's not at the final end when he makes this statement, then cometh the end. There's a Greek word for then and that Greek word is tot. That word tot means immediately. It means then. It can be translated as then in the English language, but it's translated immediately. That is not the Greek word that Paul uses right here. When you change to the English, sometimes you've got to look back to the Greek to see which word he's talking about because sometimes the English word, it just means one thing but there's multiple words translated from. So he's not talking about that word immediately. The word that Paul used when he said, then cometh the end, that word is eta. That word eta means after an interval. So he's saying, then, after an interval, the cometh the end. So the beginning of the reign of Christ is going to wait until all prophecies has been fulfilled. Jesus ain't never been late. He ain't never been early. He's always been right on time. He won't be late when he comes down and the rapture takes place. He won't be late or early when he comes back to set up the rain. He'll be right on time. There are prophetic events that must take place. And Paul talks quite a bit in 2 Thessalonians. I'm not going to get sidetracked over there on the things he talks about in it. But Paul covers a thousand years in verse number 24. He starts out with then the end which means after an interval. But then he moves past the interval to the reign of Christ when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father. And then the third part, he says, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. Now that happens twice. When Jesus Christ comes and starts the rapture, he will start in the seven-year tribulation. And then at the end of that, Jesus will come to start the millennial reign, to start the reign of Christ. Again, we refer the thousand-year millennial reign. When he comes, he will put down all power at that time. But that won't be the end of it. The Bible says he'll take the beast and the false prophet and they'll be cast into the lake of fire. But Satan will be bound a thousand years and cast into the bottomless pit. So he's not completely done with Satan yet. He just got two of them off. And then the next time we see that he puts down all authority, of course, will be at the end of it when he gets rid of Satan and all of his followers um, there at the end of the millennial reign. But the Lord, the Bible says, will rule this earth. And it says he's going to rule with a rod of iron. We got something to look forward to. Christians, you, you and I will get to experience a time like we never have. It, it'll be peace on this earth. 
It'll be Christ ruling with the rod of iron. It'll be the time when, when the lion and the lamb lie down together in the field. It'll be the time when there's no hate. It'll be the time when there's no animosity. It'll be the time when there's no stealing, no backbiting, no gossiping, no murdering. It'll be the time when, when we live exactly the way we want to live. There, there won't be any devil. There won't be any presence of the devil. He's bound and cast into the bottomless pit. He's not here, so the only thing we have is the presence of the Lord. We will be filled with the Holy Spirit. We will be anointed in the power of God, and it'll be a thousand years of living that way. Anybody looking forward to that? I'm excited, but the Bible tells us that on the other side of that, on the other side of that, that the devil is going to be loosed. Boy, it's going to be nice for a thousand. I had to put up with the devil. It's going to be nice to not have to put up with any temptations. It's going to be nice not have to to deal with bad moods and people getting on your nerves and and pushing you and and leaning. It's going to be nice to to not have to battle just with the flesh. I don't need anybody else to get me in trouble. There's a war goes on right here. I don't need your help, just in case you're wondering. It's a battle I get to fight every single day, wrestling with all the stuff that goes on and thoughts that's in your mind. you got a thousand years coming that you're going to live on this earth that you won't have to deal with none of that. I'm looking forward to that. But it's going to end. Revelation chapter 20 says in verse number 2, They delayed hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan bound him a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. That's the beginning of the reign of Christ. That's the beginning of the thousand-year millennial reign. But the text goes on. It ain't over yet. After that, he must be loosed. A little season. There's going to be a lot of babies born in that time. There's going to be a lot of children born during the seven-year tribulation period. There's going to be a lot of babies born during the thousand-year millennial reign. Everybody that is ever born must choose Christ. You hear what I'm telling you? There's not a free pass. Jesus Christ went while everybody thought he was in the tomb. He went and preached captivity captive. He went and preached to those in hell. And after the thousand-year millennial reign, the devil shall be loosed to season, and everybody that was born during that time frame must choose Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life does not stop at the rapture. It does not stop at the beginning of the millennial reign. It does not stop at the end. If you were born of a woman living on this planet, you will choose Christ if you're going to heaven. So at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign, people that were born into that, they were born into that time of peace, they were born into that time of no evil present, Satan will be loose and he will begin to tempt people once again. Many will fail. You know, you can't help but wonder... If you're born in that time frame and no presence of evil, how, how could you fail? How, how could you turn away from that? How could you turn away from God? The same way a child born and raised in a Christian home walks away from God in 2018. The, the same way Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit when they had the whole garden there before them. The, the same way every one of us in this place fall to sin and temptation. It's the temptation of the devil. He's going to use the same tricks after that's over that he uses right now. And men are going to fail. Men are going to fall. When they do, they're going to follow him. 
still in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such a second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That's us. I thought that made somebody happy. That, that's the redeemed. Anybody fall in that category? That's the purchased. That's the justified. That's the ransomed. That's the washed in the blood. That's us. Shall rule and reign with him a thousand years. That's why you need to be serving God now. You know, this is what I'm talking about. When I tell y'all, you need to be working for the Lord. You need to be establishing your spot for that thousand-year millennial reign. That's what I'm talking about. When I tell y'all, somebody's going to have to clean the sewers for a thousand years. Somebody's going to get that job. Somebody's going to get the nasty job. Somebody's going to have the bad ones. going to be you. If you ain't doing nothing in this life to work for them, you better get to work. You, you may not can earn heaven, but you can earn rewards. Well, that's all right. Y'all ain't got to like that. Verse number 7, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. He shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Of those babies that are born from that tribulation period and that millennial period, in that thousand seven years, of those that's born that grew up in peace and harmony, Without any presence of evil, you want to know how many of them are going to turn away from Christ and follow the devil? There's your answer. The number is whom is as the sand of the sea. Wow. Verse number 9, they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. What we see is... Those that are deceived, those that side with the devil, those that choose to follow him, they're going to march on Jerusalem. They're going to march on that holy city, but the rebellion, when they come against Christ at that time, that'll be the end of it. It'll be quick and it'll be decisive. That fire comes down from heaven, they'll be destroyed. And after that, we know that the earth will be destroyed. We know there'll be a new heaven, there'll be a new earth. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, But the day the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening until the coming of the day of, of, day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Time will be no more. The kingdom of heaven will be absorbed into the kingdom of God. If we look back there at our text, we were at verse number 24. Verse number 25, it says that he must reign. There are some things that Jesus Christ must do. You remember in John chapter 4? One of the reasons I remember John chapter 4 and verse number 4, and I won't ever forget it, and it sticks there when I was on the pulpit and meeting. It goes back to Pastor Freeman, but we talked to him one night on the phone. It's the verse that he gave, but he talked about I've always remembered it since. But Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. He didn't say I need to go through there. I, 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 I kind of want to pass by there. Jesus knew that there was a woman that was cast out by her society. She couldn't come in the cool of the day when everybody else came to the well because she was a sinner. Nobody wanted to be around her, wanted her around them. So she had to come in the middle of the day. She needed some help. 
She needed some hope. She needed some restoration. She needed to know that somebody loved her. She needed to know that somebody could get rid of her sins. And not only that, once she got it, she went back and told the whole village. And Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. He had a place that he had to go, something that he must do. When Jesus was 12 years old, he asked his parents, we portray it right there on that platform, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? The Bible says of Jesus in Luke chapter 24 and verse number 7 that he must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He must be crucified the third day rise again. Paul says here that he must reign. He must return to the place of the fall of man. He must return to the place of man's rebellion against God. He must return to the place where it all happened to demonstrate his deity. He must return to the place there the fall of man, return to the place to display his glory. Oh, he's not coming to a manger this time. He must reign to fully and completely destroy Satan and do away with Satan forever. Satan don't bother y'all as bad as he does. May somebody say amen up in this house. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The greatest of all of his enemies is Satan and Satan will be destroyed forever. Think about Satan. Lucifer. One of the archangels. One of the greatest cherubs. He was the anointed cherub. He, he led heaven's choir. I don't have any Bible, so I'll not even tell you this, but I think one reason the devil hates us so much is I think we're the choir when we get to heaven. I think we replace what he used to be. I think that's why he hates us so bad. He got kicked out. Okay, that's just, that's just Yanceology, nothing, man, but that's okay. Just give me one more reason to not like him. Not only that, he, he was one of God's most beautiful creation. Do you know that? He was, he was one of God's first great creations. And, and for some unknown reason, at some unknown time in the past, Lucifer decided he wanted to be like God. Lucifer decided that he wanted to take the throne of God, and at that point he made himself an enemy of God. You're talking about a power that has worked from the highest of the heavens to the lowest parts of hell in an effort to destroy everything that is of God. He's left a trail of defilement and many people have followed him. All those who reject Christ, human angelic, all of those will be defeated. All of those will be cast into the lake of fire. But the last enemy, the Bible says here, verse number 26, that the last enemy that must be destroyed is death. After all, death is realistically our worst enemy. Well, the devil's our worst enemy, but 
Death is the one that we fear. Death is the one that plagues the, the mind of people. Death is, is the one that lies in wait. It, it lies around waiting in accidents and waiting in illnesses and sicknesses and, and honestly even in old age. But it just it lies around and waits and it haunts the minds of a lot of people. It's never very far away from the thoughts of, of a lot of folks, especially when sickness comes near. But, but we dismiss those thoughts by staying busy. We keep ourselves and our mind and everything occupied, and we, we stay busy to avoid the thought process, but, but it's always there. there. There's always the knowledge. There's always something. It may not be us that, that is dealing with it at the time, but it's a, it's a friend. It's a family. There, there's always something in life. Almost at any given moment, there's some dealing with it. Amen? Everybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. So we know that Christ has conquered death. Our old judgment journey, church, from back in the beginning, had Revelation 1.18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Amen. I have the keys of hell and of death. Amen. We know that. The Bible tells us that. We have every assurance that death in this life simply ushers us into the presence of God. We have the fullness of assurance that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. We have the fullness of assurance that all death does is puts us into the presence of God Almighty. Yet it creeps into our homes and our families and it steals the ones that we love. It, it, it hinders us at all times. It's an, it's an ever-present. As soon as somebody gets sick, we start praying. Why do we start praying? Because we don't want them to what? Die. We start praying against it. God, will you give healing? God, will you put it? Even though we know that death is defeated, we're still going to die. We believe in the resurrection. But we can't see the resurrection. But we can see death. We believe in the resurrection by faith. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. It's by faith that we believe. We can see death. I don't have to believe in death by faith. I see it all the time. So we believe in the resurrection. Chapter 9 of the book of Hebrews, we know it tells us the point of another man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. Charles Spurgeon has this to say about death. If death is the last enemy, then let's just leave him unto last. I like that. You know what that means, don't you? Let's just don't worry about it. Let's, let's, just, let's just don't worry about that one. If, if death is going to be the last enemy, let's just, let's just don't worry about it. But still... Death is an enemy, but death, the Bible says, is going to be destroyed, that there won't be any more of it. The word here for destroyed means that it's going to be brought to naught. It means that it'll be put to an end. It'll be put down. It'll be abolished forever. There will never be any enemy called death. There will never be anything else called death. It is forever abolished. The devil, the beast, False prophet, every angelic being that followed Lucifer out of heaven, and every person on this earth that was born of a woman that rejected Jesus Christ is going to the lake of fire. It'll be destroyed forever. It'll be done. It's a final victory. Y'all don't have to be all upset right there. That's a good thing for us. But it's a really good reason to be thinking about your friends and your loved ones right now that don't know Christ because they're going to be in that. Every enemy will be defeated. Then verse number 28, Paul says, And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Remember our word then from verse number 24? The, the Greek word eda that means after an interval. 
Well, that's not this word. This is that other word I told you about, tote. It means immediately. Christ who has been given all power and, and all authority after he has defeated the last enemy. He will yield everything back to the Father. Then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Revelation chapter 21. John said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is the thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. What happens after that will take all of eternity to unfold. But for all of that eternity, he will be our God and we will be his child. We will be in his presence without any memory of the bad. There won't be any temptation. There won't be anything holding us back. Won't it be awesome just being in his presence? I believe... Well, I, don't believe, I know. We'll, we'll be at the great white throne of judgment. You won't be there. Thank God you won't be a part of it. Anybody trust Jesus Christ, personal Lord and Savior? Anybody know you're going to heaven when you die? You're washed in the blood of the Lamb of God? We'll be there, but thank God we won't be in it. Y'all have heard me say it a few times. I always don't say it again because I don't ever quit thinking it. There's going to be people that I know that great white throne of judgment. They're going to be just like what we portray over here. I know over here we portray it in 45 minutes from the time you get on the wagon. But that is at least 1,007 years after the rapture. You got to get through the, the seven years. You got to get through the 1,000 years. But that great white throne is coming. And those people will be down there begging. It's too late. It's, it's over and done. You, you made your choice in this life. It's, it's too late. I'm just afraid that, that, that I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to know them. It's going to be friends. It's going to be family. It's going to be people that I know that's begging. And you've heard me tell you before that, that I'm scared to death. One of them going to look at me and go, why didn't you tell me? How could you let me in this? You knew. Why didn't you tell me? The truth is you may have. They didn't They didn't listen. But I just, I just wonder, what if God looked at me and said, yeah, why didn't you? Were you ashamed of me? You, you remember the day 
What if he shows us a flashback of a conversation that we had when he told us to talk to him and he reminds you of the conversation and you remember you cowered it down and walked off? What if you do if he shows you a flashback of your life and says, remember that moment? Why didn't you tell him then? Because he's fixing to go to hell. No, worse than that, hell's not forever. I told you I was going to preach a message one time. Hell's not forever. It only gets worse. The Bible says the death and hell shall be cast into the lake of fire. So hell's only going to get worse. But, but, but why didn't you tell him? You know what? Maybe it don't happen. I don't know. But what if it does? I, I believe we're going to cry at the great white throne of judgment. I can tell you this. Because when we see him, we shall be like him. Somebody you've never seen before in your life. It's going to break your heart that they're going to hell. Because if I'm like Christ, I'm going to love them enough to die for them. Amen. And Christ already did. But they chose to go to hell. I'm going to love them so much that I would be like Christ and be willing to go to a cross for them. But at that point, there's nothing to do. You watch them go to hell. That's why I believe after the great white throne of judgment, the only memory of them will be in the mind of God. He would have to erase our memory. It would never be heaven. But there's a time coming for us. There's a time coming for all of eternity. Amen? I just want us to take as many as we can with us. And may we at least give them every opportunity. You think of people around the world that sometimes may hear the gospel for one time. How many times did many of us hear the gospel? Go to church, drug the church, beat in the church. You better sit down, shut up, boy. Made to be there before we finally got it, before we finally understood. Isn't God good, long-suffering, patient, gave us so many chances. But it is important that we tell people we've got an eternity coming that we can't even imagine that's so awesome. The thousand-year millennial reign, if you just try to imagine it, it's, it's better than anything we could possibly imagine. If you just go home tonight, just go to sleep thinking about this. Absolutely no hindrance. Absolutely no presence of evil. Absolutely no thoughts of impurity. Absolutely no drawing of the devil. Absolutely no temptation. Nothing but the pureness of the Holy Spirit. You know that moment in church when God shows up and invades this place and it's the Holy Spirit and you're just weeping and His presence is so real? Imagine taking that and putting it on steroids because it's going to be way greater than that because there'll be no presence of evil and you're going to have it for a thousand years here. And then it can only get better after that. But for some, it's our job to tell them about it, amen? We ought to be excited enough to tell lost people about that. It ought to break our heart that they're going to hell, but we ought to be excited enough about heaven to tell them, to tell them every day, every day. I'm going to take a few minutes. We got a few minutes. We didn't have no music, so we got a couple of extra minutes. I'm going to take a few minutes, and, and if we could pray. And ask God to help us to be a bolder church, a brighter church. That, that, that our light shines. Man, I, I just, I want each one of us to be a bright light in, in the darkness. Are you hurting, broken? 
here, here's, how, here's how you make your light bright. You spend time with the light. We have no light. We're, we're, we're not a light. Jesus said you're the light of the world, but the only reason we're the light of the world is because we're a reflection of him. It's his light that shines on us. And the more we pray, the more we seek him, the more we serve him, the, the more we desire to follow him, the brighter his light reflects off of us. It's not our light. It's his light. But, but the more we desire him, the brighter that reflection is that we might reflect and, and brighten our community. That each one of us individually might brighten and reflect and, and, and lighten up our office and our classroom. The light glows off of us. That's what I want for us as individuals. That's what I want for us as a church. That we would be what Christ said we are, the light of the world. That we'd bring light into the darkness. That kind of light dispels darkness. When that light shows up, darkness has got to go. That is a consuming light. That's not a light that has shadows. That's a light that will wrap you up and engulf you and hold on to you. I just want us as a church to be that kind of light. I want us to make everything about Him. It's always been about Him. If it's not about Him, it's bad. If, if I didn't have enough, if I didn't have enough to serve him for in this life, for all that he's already done for me in this life, and for all that he does for me in this life, this is another one of those Yanceologies. But we know that one of the very attributes of God is creator. He is creator God. That means he creates. That means he created the heavens and the earth and the atmosphere and all that there is. If God is creator God, and there's never been a beginning, and there's never been an end, is there anybody in here naive enough to believe that this is all he's ever created? We have no idea what has happened to billions of years before we ever became here. We have no idea what he'll create billions of years from now. But I do believe this, if he is creator God, this ain't all he's ever going to do and all of there is in both directions. And, and that means going forward, we're his saints. We are his children. We are his usable vessels. Who knows what billions of years in the future holds. But if it didn't hold anything else, He's done more than enough for me to serve him in this life. If this life was the end of it, he's done more than enough for me to serve him in this life.